Well, this phrase, a helping hand, the phrase, a helping hand, it is prevalent in our culture. We need each other, don't we? We need each other. Um, we're called to help one another along. And when we hear the phrase, a helping hand, what comes to mind is a, is a physical task uh, or perhaps an act of financial benevolence. But as we turn to this last chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, we're going to see an even more personal aspect of this helping hand, a personal responsibility, in essence. Paul begins in verse 1, chapter 6. He says, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. So if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, what kind of wrongdoing? Any wrongdoing. You who are spiritual, spiritual, and we, we, we've seen this last time at, toward the end of chapter 5, Paul lists these well-known fruits of the Spirit in verse 22. If one's considered spiritual, then, then that one would, would display these elements, these fruits found in verse 22. The love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you claim to be a spiritually fruitful person, you are, you'll exhibit you and I will exhibit these traits when we're allowing the Spirit to take the lead. If we claim to be spiritually fruitful, we're going to have these fruits made manifest and we'll be able to restore that one caught up in a wrong in a spirit of gentleness. Again, this idea of we're, all, we're able to offer a helping hand, and I said this takes on a little bit more of a personal uh, case here. If, if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, then we should have the ability and the capacity to show compassion and patience and kindness in order to elevate an individual to bring that person back into the fold. Each one is to look to oneself, to him or herself. Why? Well, so that you and I are not tempted as well. You and I, we, we must stop and look and, and pay attention to our own stuff. And we all have stuff. We all have it. We have our own stumbling blocks. We have these things which trip us up and... and what may be a problem for me might not be for you. And what might be a problem for you may not be a problem for me. But we all have our stuff. And we have to be careful of our, of our triggers, our temptations. And, 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 and Paul's words here, they, they echo what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Jesus said, if your brother sins... Go and show him his fault in private. 
There's actually a, a protocol that, that Jesus lays out, but this is where he begins. He says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private, and if he listens to you, you, you have gained your brother. And, and, there's, and there's no fun in confrontation. I've had some of you share with me times where you've had to go and you've gone to an individual. Some of you have gone to some individuals, and I've done that too. I've had that done to me. And it's no fun, but, but how I appreciate it. We're able to give each other a helping hand in that, in that manner. And it's no fun, but what it does, it ultimately shows respect for that individual. What are we doing when we do this? Well, look at, look at verse 2. We're bearing one another's burdens. And, and thereby we are fulfilling the law of Christ. So, so what is the law of Christ? Well, Jesus reminds us. It's the Last Supper, and Jesus is reminding the disciples something he had shared with them, and he's reminding us. He says, and this is John 15, Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. And then he says, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. You know, Jesus did give commandments. <laughs> if, you, if you keep them, you'll remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. And then Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than a person will lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Very clear. And this I command you, that you love one another. And, and, and earlier in, in Galatians 5, we heard Paul echo these words of Jesus. He, he, he said, for your call, he was telling the church, he tells us today, he said, you're called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Yeah, we're called to freedom. But don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh to kind of act however we want to act. <laughs> he said, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is, is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When we show sympathy, we are actually performing a service. Do you know that? When you show sympathy, when I show sympathy, we're actually performing a service, this law, this law of Christ. We're serving one another in love. And, and, and bearing a burden, be it helping to restore one caught up in a wrongdoing, or providing assistance in some tangible means or manner, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And, and, and what else? Well, it's also part of our witness. Jesus, earlier in the Gospel of John, in John 13, Jesus, he, he, says, he talks of this dual responsibility of love and witness. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And Paul gives, he gives further explanation for why we are to go out of our way. Sometimes loving, sometimes loving one another is not the most convenient thing. Sometimes it's not. And, 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 and Paul gives us the why. Well, Jesus actually tells us why. He, this is my commandment that you do it. So that's, that's reason enough. And Paul expounds upon it. He while we are to go out of our way to bear one another's burdens. And in Romans 15, Paul, Paul says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. 
not to please ourselves, but, but each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. He's talking about the, talking about the law, talking about the Old Testament, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we can have hope. Look at verse 3. Paul says, if anyone thinks that he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Yeah, for each one must examine his own work, and, and then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and, and not to another. So, so is Paul being unduly harsh? Well, no, Paul, he, <laughs> Paul likes to stir the pot. He likes to stir the pot. We, we really should not have a higher opinion of ourselves than is appropriate. We need to each remember our place before each other. And the way we do that is remember our place before the Lord. Our posture, we talked about this, I think, last time, this idea of a, a posture of the heart, an appropriate posture before the very King of Heaven. And, and this requires, Paul talks about examining his own work, this requires self-examination. And how different our world would look if we could remember that God is God and that we are not. That, that would take care of a plethora of challenges and problems worldwide. Remembering our place... And you've heard me, you've heard others say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's the beauty of salvation through Jesus. We're all sinners and we all need to have our sins forgiven. We're all sinners. Scripture is very clear about that. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And thanks be to God, Jesus has come to save. This self-examination, when we are to examine our own work, in John chapter 8, we have a tremendous example of the importance of self-examination. Jesus is in the temple area, and people are coming to him, and, and the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. You, you don't get more personal than that. And they bring her to the center of the courtyard, and they say to Jesus, Teacher! Zero respect. Teacher. This woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. And in the law, Moses commanded us, us to stone such women. What then do you say? Desiring to put Jesus on the spot and to test him, they, they want to accuse him of blasphemy. So they're setting him up, they think, for the kill. And Jesus, he stoops down. He's riding in the ground. And they keep on asking Jesus. And he straightens up and he says, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stoops down again and he writes on the ground. And when they hear this, 
they begin to leave. And John points out they begin to leave one by one, beginning with the older ones. Ones have been around a while. And Jesus is left alone, and the woman is there in the center of the courtyard, and, and he straightens up, and Jesus, he says to her, he said, uh, where are they? Where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, well, I don't condemn you either. And he says, go. And, and from now on, do not sin any longer. Um, one thing I do want to point out, Jesus doesn't encourage her sin. Jesus doesn't look past her sin. Jesus doesn't embrace her sin. Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's going to be okay. What did he tell her? He said, go, and, he said, go but sin no more. So you have that, but then you have on the part of the, those accusers this idea of self-examination. Each one must examine his own work. We are to each look at the reality of our own lives. And there's no, there's no more pretension of superiority. You and I, we, we've got to each stop and look and pay attention to our own stuff. We are to examine our own work, pay attention to our stuff. And Paul says we will then have reason for boasting upon our, our self-examination. Well, what does this mean about boasting now? Well, when you and I are willing to, to come before the Lord in the honesty and the humility of self-examination, it's not unlike David's prayer in Psalm 51. You may remember David uh, had been involved in adultery and deception and murder. And the Holy Spirit talking through the prophet Nathan calls David out. And David comes before the Lord and says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Thanks be to God that God is His standard and not ours, right? According to your compassion, wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. You know, there's no, there's no need for deception or self-deception or pretension. You desire truth in the innermost being. And in secret, you will make your wisdom known to me. Mm. Purify me and I'll be clean. Cleanse me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit, a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. It, it, when we come before the Lord in this self-examination, and the Lord, we allow the Lord to do His work, pointing things out, maybe using a brother or sister to help us see some things. 
That's a holy moment. It should be a holy moment. Between each of us and the Lord. And it can be a moment of, of, of thankful gratitude. A moment to, to thank the Lord for His forgiveness and, and a moment to praise the Lord, a moment to boast in the Lord. And we should exalt and boast in the Lord. We shouldn't exalt ourselves. However, we can feel a sense of confidence in the knowledge that we came before the Lord because we can be confident in Him. And, and, and Paul points to how this confidence in the, in the Lord plays out in, in relationships with other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is speaking on behalf of, of those who are with him teaching and preaching and traveling, and he's speaking to the Corinthian church, and he said, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you with integrity and godly sincerity. You know, he, he, he's saying we're boasting in this. We've done so relying not on our worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. And this morning, Paul writes that we're not to boast one to another, but we're to each bear his own load. Bearing burdens, helping, being a helping hand, but we're also to bear our own load. Each will answer directly to the Lord for his or her own conduct. I will answer for my conduct, you will answer for yours. And, and we must not forget that in the bearing of our own load, we can have a helping hand. Thanks be to God. We can have one. Actually, in order to bear the burden, bearing the load of our lives, we need a helping hand. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these well-known words. He, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. And We must not forget that, that in bearing our own load, we need to have a helping hand. And why do we need it? Not that only we can, but we need one. Why? Well, we are each responsible. As we are each responsible for our own load, the reality is we cannot bear it on our own. We, we can't bear it on our own. How is it possible that, that Jesus can say that His yoke is comfortable? What is the definition of a, of a, of a yoke? So, I went to Wikipedia, because we all have seen them and we all can, you know, we all visualize what a yoke is, and so I'll go to, I'll go to, I'll go to Wikipedia, and a yoke is a wooden beam used between a pair of oxen to enable them to pull together on a load when working in a pair. That sounds right. That lines up with, with the visual, doesn't it? You see, when we rely on Jesus and His salvation, and His Holy Spirit. We pull together with Him. We ultimately, we can't pull without Him. 
And, and the reason why is because when we are yoked with Jesus, Jesus is the one who ultimately bears our entire burden. So how can Jesus bear this? Well, because of what Jesus has already borne for us. Way, 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 way back many years ago, the prophet Isaiah would tell of one who would come to be a suffering servant. In Isaiah 53, we read of this one. This one from God was despised and abandoned by men. A man of great pain and and familiar with sickness. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore, and our pains that that he carried. And he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on himself. Isaiah talks of the righteous one, the Lord's servant. This one will justify the many, for he will bear their wrongdoings. He himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the wrongdoers. Jesus has borne our wrongdoings. He's borne our sins when he went to the cross for us. He himself bore the sin of many. And now because Jesus has been raised from the dead (laughs) and he's ascended to heaven to be with the Father and he's preparing to come back, what he's doing right now, he he is interceding for us. He's actually... He not only bore our burdens to Calvary, but He's bearing our burdens now, yours and mine. And and this is why he, he, He could tell His followers there at the end of Matthew, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's working on your and my behalf even now. He bore our burdens to Calvary, and He's bearing our burdens now. Mm. He's bore the sin of many. He has interceded for the wrongdoers, and thanks be to God, He is interceding for us now. He, he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. But thanks be to God, we have a great, wonderful Savior who still bears our burdens, who still offers us his helping hand all the way to eternity.